Hello, this is Augustus and Tony Corbett, and you're listening to the Marriage Minutes Podcast. Well, we use biblical principles to strengthen marriages and counsel divorces. For the next 30 minutes, get ready for lots of laughing, learning, and loving. All right, this is the Marriage Minutes Podcast with Augustus and Tony Corbett. And this is the second episode of the first season, and we are just looking forward to our discussion today. But first of all, let me see how my sweetheart is doing. How are you today, sweetheart? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. Hope you're doing well this morning. Well, you know what? Anytime I wake up serving God, clothed in my right mind, no no pains in my body, and you on my side, I'm doing good. Yes, that's a good thing. (laughs) So yesterday we had uh, a conversation. Uh, We introduced ourselves and we introduced our new podcast. And we also took the latter part of that episode to talk about uh, Harry and Meghan, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex. Sussex. Sussex, that's right, with an X. Right. Thank you for correcting me on that as you do always. (laughs) so um, yeah we talked about them a little bit yesterday so we did part one about them and I'm intrigued by that story Um, I really appreciate how this young man is taking steps the steps that he deemed necessary to uh, protect his his black wife and black child from from the racism of the British people basically you know, that's really commendable. That's what we husbands are supposed to do. That's our duty, you know, to protect our families. And he is willing to give away all the trappings of being a member of the royal family to do so. So I, I just wanted to shout him out yesterday. Yes, many kudos to our Harry. I, I appreciate that as well. Because we know also he just uh, said he has flashbacks of his mother dying as a result of the media and he doesn't want all of that um to affect his life his marriage his uh, wife and his son so we definitely think that is commendable that he's willing like you say to give away so much in order to have his family by his side and you can tell that this is really affecting megan um i remember seeing an interview she did a couple of few months ago and she was nearly in tears, you know, of being now part of the royal family. She's an African-American woman. Um, they're all white. The British tabloids have been very, very unkind to her. And, you know, kind of reminds me a little bit of Michelle Obama. Yes. You How know, the, and, the media over here in the U.S. was so, so um, just... It was just horrific the way they treated her, um, exactly. she and, and Obama, right? President Obama. And um, and uh, President Obama obviously protected his wife, but he but they were in a different situation, right? You know, he was an elected official of this country, and he just couldn't say okay. I mean, he could, but he wasn't going to just say okay. We're going to walk away to protect my family, uh, whereas Harry and Meghan can do so, right? Um, it has created created uh, quite a stare in the uh, royal family as well as in Britain, but they seemingly have worked some things out. 
And Megan now can um, perhaps get away from all of that, from all of that hate that she was dealing with. Yes, and I'm, I'm so happy that um, the Queen was willing to acknowledge their young couple and to give them some space that they need. Because as we continue with the podcast, we know when you're a newlywed, you know, you already have certain pressures and adjustments and transitions to make. But then when you're in the public eye like they are, you know, and then you add on the fact that there is some intermarrying going on, you can only imagine the pressure and um, and all of that that it has put on their marriage. Yes. And she, you know, had just had a baby. Exactly. And there is the postpartum issue, you know, and so dealing with all of that, I'm sure was quite a bit for her. And so, again, kudos to Harry for taking the steps necessary to to protect his wife. Um, just yesterday, I was reading an article that compared the treatment that William's wife gets. Her name is Kate, I think. Yes, Kate. Versus the treatment that Megan gets. And it is it is night and day. Wow. It is night and day. But we shouldn't be surprised. I mean, we, we live in, in America, and the founders of our country came here from Europe. So Full the, of racism. Exactly. The same racism is the same, whether you're in Europe or whether you're in the U.S. of A. So I'm not surprised. So that that's a segue into what we want to. We still want to kind of talk about... Um, Harry and Megan a little bit here or use them to segue into the next part of this conversation, which is uh, since they are an interracial couple, we want to talk about interracial dating and marriage and all of that for a little while. Okay. Um, this morning. And it, there's a lot there because it's something that is, that is really trending. It's on the front burner of America right now. There seems like every, drama that that in, involves the african-american community there's always a an interracial relationship there typically it's a typically it's a a white man and a black woman um but it's always there okay and so we just see these relationships these interracial relationships just more and more and more nowadays and I think that there are a growing number of African-American women who are beginning to look to other races uh, for relationships. And so so I think it's a hot topic. Um, we're going to talk about it a little bit. Let me start out by talking about the case that opened Pandora's box. It's a 1956 or 57, uh, 1950s, 60s case that's called Loving versus Virginia. And basically a white man and a black woman in that case got married, they moved to DC, and then they moved back to Virginia. And when they got back to Virginia, uh, having been married, having gotten married and moved back, um, they were arrested and prosecuted under, under Virginia's uh, anti-miscegenation mis laws, okay? And I don't know, I get a little tongue twisted when I'm trying to say that word, miscegenation uh, or uh, interracial uh, marriage laws. And so they were prosecuted 
and were going to jail, but they agreed to move. And so they fought the case, fought it all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court. And in 1967, I remember studying this case in law school. I also studied it in um, when I was getting my master's in social work. We studied this case as well. Yeah, it's, it's a landmark case. So, and you all probably studied it from the standpoint of how it has impacted homosexuality, uh, gay marriage laws, right? Well, of course, we, um, well, when it, not we, but the social work field, we look into all of that yeah. discrimination, right. whether it be LBGTQ or um, racial right. um, groups, all of that. Yeah. So we, we studied it from that standpoint as well. But we really looked at it from the racial standpoint. And so the U.S. Supreme Court, Court handed down a unanimous decision overturning all anti-miscegenation laws across the country. Okay, So at that point, any law that forbidden people from marrying on the basis of race was um, overturned. And the, the U.S. Supreme Court said it was a violation of the Loving's uh, equal protection and due process rights, okay, under the 14th Amendment. I won't get deep into the law, but that's why they overturned it, basically. And um, so since then, interracial relationships have been increasing, okay? In fact, uh, after this decision, well, before the loving decision, only 3% of all newlyweds were married to someone of a different race, but here now, uh, in 2015, the number has increased to 17%. And in 1980, about 13 years after the Loving decision, the number was at 7%. And, and like I said, now uh, in 2015, it's 17%. I presume f this is four years, this is what, five years later, it's probably higher than that now. Probably so, so because it seems to be a steady increase and inter uh, marrying in our country. And what I also found from my research, um, Tony, is that there is a gender gap in interracial marriage. In other words, if you look at the various races, especially the African-American race, you find one gender that is more apt to marry outside of the African-American race than another gender. And we know what gender that is. Wow. Yeah, it's you don't the male say. <laughs> it's the male gender. <laughs> so the male gender in the African American community um are twice as likely to marry someone outside of their race uh as black women. So black women basically and I applaud them for this have remained basically loyal to black men. But black men have been more apt to go outside of their race uh to find a spouse and that is even um when you're talking about about black women just consider the availability of black men that's even without there being a lot of eligible black men for black women to marry and we could you know we don't have time to get into all the reasons but i will name you got the systemic incarceration of black men you got a high um homicide rate of black men you know you got um high unemployment for black men so even despite all of those 
issues going on, black women still are not marrying outside of their race the way that black men are. Yes. That is a that that is a huge, huge, huge issue. That's a huge issue. Um, we have a daughter who is approaching 30 years old. And um, she says that it's hard to find eligible uh, African-American men for marriage. I know many, 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 many other professional black women who also find it very difficult to find eligible African-American men for all the reasons and more that you mentioned, okay? And so if you got those reasons that you just enumerated, plus a lot of black men are going outside of the race for spouses, that is leaving African-American women a very scant, meager uh, selection of men uh, for marriage. And let me just go on the record and say this. There is, I, I do not oppose interracial marrying because the Bible doesn't oppose it. That's what I was going to bring up. Please, since this is um, our podcast is based upon bi- biblical principles, we want to get it um, out and make it very clear. God does not oppose intermarrying. Interracial marrying. Right. No, no, no. That's not in the word of God. Uh, you know, there are a lot of white people today and a lot of other people, actually, who try to point to the Bible uh, as a reason why people should marry within their races. But there's no there. There's nothing in the word of God that 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 prohibits one race of people from marrying another race of people. The only prohibition in the word of God with respect to whom one should marry is that that person is a Christ follower. Yes. Okay. So otherwise, if you got a, if you have a white, black or whatever color Christ follower marrying a non-Christ follower, Paul, the apostle says that they are unequally yoked. Okay. So God wants us from his word, based on the word of God, he wants us Christ followers marrying other Christ followers, regardless of the race regardless of the ethnicity, regardless of the nationality, and so forth and so on. That's exactly right. But those um, those lingering bias attitudes still persist, um, um, persist in our community. You know, there are still a lot of Christ-following white people who yet adamantly oppose um, interracial marrying. So we could have a whole nother conversation as to whether or not they're really following Christ. You call them Christ following white people. Um, I, at, at least on that point, they're not following. Christ. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so there's no basis in the word of God to prohibit interracial marrying. That said, I do want to express what I believe is, is best for the African American community. 72 to about 75% of children born in African-American relationships are born out of wedlock, okay? And are being raised by single women. And shout out to every single mother who is raising her children um, 
and, you know, doing all the stuff that one has to do to raise children, and she's doing it alone. I, I celebrate those women. I salute those women and so forth. But God's best is that there be a father and mother in the same home under the same roof raising those kids because we both bring something to the table that's needed for that child. Okay, you know, Definitely. I, we, you know, we're going to do some podcast in the future about child rearing. Right. But let me just let me just throw this out there. I know with our kids, one of the things that I bring to the table when they were smaller kids, especially even now, is this thing of of structure, of discipline, of order. You know, I could keep the structure, the discipline, the order uh, I could keep those kids online and on task better than you. Definitely. I mean, there's no argument there. That's yeah. just fact. And that's not taking anything from you, right? Definitely not. No, it's just the truth. Yeah. It's not taking anything from you at all um, because there are, there are things that you bring to the table that I don't bring to the table. And that's not taking anything from me. Right. 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 So, so when you got a husband and a wife, a mother and a father under the same roof, raising those children, that's going to be better for the children. Doesn't mean that all children from two parent Christian traditional families turn out to be great kids. Okay. But for the most part, they do. Right. And that, and that is the expectation that the Lord, you know, um, in our first episode, that's what we said. God gets great delight when there's a Christian, um, husband and wife and producing children within that marriage. That's what God delights in. That's the framework that he delights in. And so that's why we want to stress to African-Americans because we know that we are not marrying at such a high rate. And we encourage you to marry. You know, marriage is of God. Marriage came from God. Yeah. Marriage is God's idea. Marriage was on God's mind before he established the church. Amen. So we definitely encourage um, African-Americans to marry and to have a loving marriage based upon biblical principles. That's one of our missions for this podcast. That's exactly right. And I'm going to continue to uh, to push the issue that that for that reason, for the reason you just articulated, that my preference is to see African-American men marry African-American women and vice versa. OK, because we just need more um, families, black families with both parents under the same roof, raising those children. A lot of the issues that we're seeing in our communities with our youth goes directly to the fact that they're being raised in single families. That's so, exactly right. And if we're having children, if we're if we're having children and we're having them anyway, why not do it God's way? And that is to provide that child with a mother and a father under the same roof who are legally married and who are serving the Lord would be the most ideal situation. Yes. Now, and when I, I do want to say, I want to, want to, want to say that 
if African American men are not stepping up to the to the plate and doing what they need to be doing, right? Marrying these women and helping raise the children and other men are willing to do so, then you know, all well and good. Yes. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, go for mm-hmm. it. I mean, you know, because once again, there's nothing in the word of God that prohibits uh, two people from marrying e- each other so long as they're both Christ followers. Okay. And so this is just a preference that I'm articulating to, because I want to see strong African-American families. Right. Because we want to see strong African-American communities. Exactly. That's all. That's Thank all you that's for connecting said. the two here. Yes, because the community. Because we just said in our last podcast that um, a strong family is what build a strong nation. And so we definitely would want that, to see African-American families strong so that we can have a strong nation. And let me just say this also, when we're talking about interracial um, marrying and dating as a social worker and being from the social sciences, let me just say race really is, in my opinion, and, and based upon what research is now acknowledging, is more of a social construct than anything else. It's just the way that society has categorized um, different groups of people. So it's really nothing to this, but our society has made it something. We come from the same God, have the same creator, the same maker. We come from one blood, according to the Bible. So all this racial stuff is really hyped up by our society. Let me just say that. Well, you know what? There's, there's, that's the gospel truth. There's really um, just three races of people. Actually, when you study the book of Ephesians, there is the Jewish people, the Gentiles, and then the body of Christ, that one new man that Paul talks about. Wow. And and so we're either in one of those groups. One of those groups. We're either a Jewish person or Gentile, or we are a member of the one new man. I'm a member of the one new man. So I put my, I put my, 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 what do you call it? Faith ethnicity, my Christian ethnicity, my Christ following ethnicity. Yes. Above my African American ethnicity. Okay. That comes first. But that said, I will, I will though. And I'm happy to acknowledge that I'm an African American man. Right. And, um, and as an African-American man, there are certain realities that I face in this country and in this world every day, every day. But I allow my Christian ethnicity to help me navigate all of this. Right. You see, so that I'm not responding and acting like an angry black man who is, you know, being, um, you know, who's getting myself crossways with the system and, 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 and sort of falling prey to Satan's bait. Every time someone says something crazy to me or, uh, every time someone does something to me because of my race. So I'm an African American man. I am happy because this is the way God made me. I'm not ashamed of, of being a black man at all. 
But you're absolutely right. First and foremost, I am a member of this one new race. That's right. Praise God. And we and we exalt and put our kingdom identification above our African-American identification. I like that. Our kingdom ethnicity. Yes. Yes. And um, and that's not to say we all have different cultures. Um, and that's what a lot of times it comes uh, down to culturally. We have different practices and different traditions. But if you're in Christ, then he doesn't see all of that. We see it, you know. Um, but first of all, he wants to see the blood stain of Jesus Amen. on our hearts Praise and our God. spirits. Amen. And then we also, in the same token, and reading the Bible and studying the Bible, the Bible did um, identify where someone was from. So it's nothing wrong with saying I'm of African descent. The uh, the Seraphonesian woman. Right. The Ethiopian eunuch. The Samaritan. The Egyptian. Exactly. So the know? Bible does not the Bible does not overlook our, our ethnicity. But it's just it's just that we shouldn't put it above whether we're kingdom citizens or not. Amen to that. Praise God. So let's recap as we come to a close. I guess my basic recap is um, I would hope that more African-American men would choose to marry African-American women and have children and raise godly children. Um, I'll be even more specific. I would hope that good Christ-following African-American men would uh, marry Christ-following African-American women and raise Christ following African-American children, because as you pointed out, that will tremendously transform our community. That's a very good takeaway. I like that. And I do think that the key there is um, if you are a Christ follower, because when you become a Christ follower, you're going to be making decisions based upon what Christ wants you to do. You are going to marry who he would want you to. Um, to marry the type of person he would want you to marry. You know, you're going to raise your children the way he would want you to raise your children. And thereby you're going to have a strong family unit. You're going to um, contribute to a strong community as well as a strong nation. So that's a win-win for everybody for the U S of a, if you live in the United States, it's a win-win for the African African American community and it's a win for the kingdom of God, most importantly. Amen. Praise God. So we are going to end this episode. Um, next uh, episode, we're going to be talking about dating, meeting someone. Um, we're going to share a little bit about how we met and how our journey began. And then I'm going to use, I'm from the country. One of the things we do as country boys is we fish a lot. And the Lord gave me an analogy uh, of fishing when it comes to finding a mate. So I'm going to use my knowledge as a fisherman to show women and men, for that matter, how to find the right mate. Sounds good. How to fish for a man or how to fish for a woman. Sounds real good. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. All right. So that's our next episode. 
If you're good, I'm good. You ready? I'm good. I'm okay. good. All right. So we will sign off. We love you all, and we pray that you're getting something. Share this podcast with your friends, please. And if you haven't already, go to iTunes, write us a review, give us five stars, okay? Um, we really need that so that we can rank high in their algorithm and their ranking. And um, then iTunes will display our podcast and share it with more people. So please help us out with that. Yes, help us. We need your help. Yes. Our Twitter handle is Marriage Minutes Podcast. I confirmed that. And our Facebook page is Marriage Minutes Podcast as well. Facebook.com forward slash Marriage Minutes Podcast. Our website is coming. All right. So we love you all again. God bless you. We're out. God bless you. Bye-bye.